Welcome, friends, to Crazy Women Country, where women's voices matter. We bring you the latest and greatest female voices in the industry, from artists and songwriters to producers and managers and all women in between. Welcome to Crazy Women Country. I'm Donna. I'm Paula. And today we have Emily Zuzik. Uh, Hello. Hi. So... Tell us more about you. Obviously, we know you're a singer-songwriter. You brought out the new album, Talks in Trouble. What else mm-hmm. have you been doing in these crazy times that 2020 has been? Yeah, well, it was supposed to come out a little earlier in the year, like in May. But when things really shut down and it didn't look like they were going to turn around quite so quickly, I just decided to arbitrarily pick a time at the end of the summer and decided to do it then because I was releasing it solely on my own label. And then I paired up with some friends who have an imprint in LA and we kind of dual released it, but that came together later in the year. Um, But yeah, so that's the, that's the biggest thing. I mean, there's all that like precursor to an album, two singles, two music videos for those, another music video right before the album came out, and then I have this next one, which is having a world premiere on Diddy TV's show The Curve on October 7th, and uh, that might be it for music videos. I have one lyric video that might see the light of day, but that's just from this record, so um, it's been kind of a weird year, obviously. Um, but in a weird way, um, it's also made it uh, perhaps more accessible as when you're working as an indie, because there's, uh, I think, a lot of bigger label acts just sat on projects for a while. So there was less coming in to editors and playlisters and just different opportunities for artists to draw attention to their work that weren't in the way. So you could kind of cut through the noise a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, it just, uh, it just obviously makes it easier for people to to hear you and uh, and uh, obviously learn who you are type thing. Um, but yeah. Try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not an easy easy world, is it? Uh, but uh, I have to ask, how did you go from being in a band, which I have to say has the craziest name, Sex Fresh, to mm-hmm. being a solo artist? <laughs> oh well. First of all, Sex Fresh was like 1999-2000 when it came together, so like many, 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 many moons ago. And um, even when that was happening, I was still performing as an independent artist, like with my own band. So there were lots of things going on, and I was singing with a funk cover band that was like tied a lot to Burning Man stuff. So I've always had like three or four things going at the same time. you know, I don't even know how that band got its name. It just sort of came together, and we were just like, whatever, anything with orange sex, and it gets attention. Let's just keep it. And um, we put out a couple records, and they were probably more in line with what I'm doing now on Torch and Trouble than a lot of the stuff in between, because in the years since, there's been, like, pop rock. There's a lot of down-tempo electro. I did a tune with Moby. I've done I've worked with other DJs. So there's a lot of stuff. And I still do it while I'm doing my own thing. But I just decided I wanted to make a very specific Americana slash country record. 
that I hadn't done to this point and really commit to that. And then some people go and they're like, this is a very eclectic record. I'm like, oh, honey, <laughs> you are not even thinking <laughs> on that. You know, like, this is very focused for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think it's very much in that world. But yeah. I always put it this way. When I was playing in London a lot, I used to work with an Italian guitarist. And I said, uh, I don't really know. Or something came up about what kind of music do you play? And I was like, I hate that question because... I've always liked artists who do a lot of different things. And he said, Emily, you play American music. And I thought about it. I said, well, what do you mean exactly? He's like, there's some blues, there's some jazz, there's some roots, there's some country. That's a very American thing. And I was like, oh, well, you would be better to say that than I would. But it made sense to me. And so I play American music. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, Yeah, I must admit, you you notice the difference between Torch and Trouble to some of your older music, which definitely has that more of a rock feel, is maybe a bit darker at places. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? You really have that different feel between some of the older stuff and the newer stuff. Well, I think who you choose to work with says a lot about it, too. And when I met and started writing with and then decided to work with Ted, it was very specific to what I could see him both doing in his own music what he brought to the acts he toured with, like Shooter Jennings and what he brought to, like, Tanya Tucker record, and just how he produces other acts, that was the thing I wanted to bring that I couldn't necessarily do myself. Yeah. And I think when you choose a producer, it definitely paints the picture differently. Because yeah. I've, I've co-written and pr- been produced by bass players, and the songs are, like, totally different than if you go a guitarist or whatnot. And that's funny I say this because I'm thinking of one specific bass player and then I realize Ted is also a bass player. So like I'm kind of contradicting myself. But, um, you know, who you bring on really, really helps to um, fill in the dots. You write the songs, but the songs can go a lot of different ways depending on who you have in the band and who you have at the helm as a producer and who mixes it and who masters it. And, um, those are all things that I think I think a lot more about now than when I did 20-odd years ago. I must admit, you don't think of that. Being a fan, all you think of is the album and how it's come out and how the artist has changed. You don't realise that it's the whole team behind it that brings in the change and, you know. Um... Oh, sure. I mean, down to, like, how the styling is. You know, which I think is silly because... I've been a collector of clothing and costume, you know, for decades. Like, I, when I was growing up, I'd hit Salvation Army and charity shops, and, you know, and I'd either, like, repurpose it or just have a collection of oddball stuff. And so, you know, the idea that people put so much attention to those details is funny to me because I'm like, well, I've been doing this, like, my whole life. And <laughs> it just means I like lots of different things. Some people might say, like, well, there's no there there. I'm like, well, there is here. This is, this is who I am. And especially this record feels like the most honest and uh, less, and I'm not saying production less layered, but there's not as much, I don't know, uh, coloring to kind of yeah. keep things pro- less upfront. This is a very truthful yeah. record. And uh, that's taken a long time to get to, too. So... You'd have to be in the right place to be able to bring out an album that can be so raw, do you know what I mean? So, you yeah. know, you know, the artist needs to be in the right place, the songs need to be the right songs, you, you, you know, 
there's a lot of things that come together to make sure that, you know, you're there and it's going to be done that way sort of thing. So Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Sorry, Donna. We're cutting you out here. <laughs> Go for it. That's okay, Paul. It's fine. We'll take over. I just want to say I loved uh, listening to this record. It was amazing to me. Um, I loved how one song brought me to, like, a Leslie Gore production, like one of her bigger productions, to wild mustangs which actually it was funny when you said about the tanya tucker because i was like oh that reminds me of something like tanya tucker would probably do and you know just that whole merging it together well thank you that's cool i like when people have very personal reactions to songs that clearly you know i wasn't writing them for anyone in particular i mean some of them are very personal stories but others are not wild mustangs being one of them uh it's definitely a story song rooted in like folk tales, songwriters, you know, vibe, balladeers. Um, and so it's cool to get feedback like that from listeners. Like, I really dug that song. That's awesome, you know? It's like, <laughs> how great is that to be able to put something out in the world and have people really, like, bring it into their heart, you know? It's amazing. <clears throat> Absolutely love that song. That Wild Mustangs Across the Plains was just, like, I... I'd say that's probably my favorite right now. Of course, I am the type that tomorrow I might be something else, but that that just really struck with me, the writing that's and everything. That's cool. So. Well, thank you. You you are not in the minority there. There are definitely some people who are like, that's my favorite one on the record. And it's fun for me because it's the first time I kind of allowed myself to, um, to both write a song that isn't personal and get that epic about it, but also to just, like, throw in the kitchen sink on it, you know? Like, this is, like, big, torchy, cabaret, like, Judy Garland ripping the pearls off her neck. <laughs> 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 I mean, why not? I love that kind of camp and drama, and, you know, why not bring it to, like, an epic, you know, sweeping tale about something that actually uh, has meaning, you know? <laughs> I love it. You can just imagine. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> um, okay. So, can you t tell us who is one of your main inspirations or sheroes? Ah, Shiro. Um, well, I think, especially with this album, you're looking... The two biggest ones, there's a modern one and an older one. The older one is obviously Patsy Cline, which is in that big, sweeping, you know, the pain soars, like, Aah! you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You, know, where yeah. you can almost, like, heave up with the tears when you listen yeah. to it. Um, and, the, and the more modern one would be someone like Sheryl Crow, which has those elements of Americana rock and, you know, is a little... Um, you know, more down the middle, center songwriter rock thing. Um, you know, I'm not squarely in just the country camp, obviously. And I like it that way, you know. It's like, I, I don't know, that's just how I write, you know. A lot of times, as far as like, the, the, as far as heroes are concerned, you know, some of my other heroes are people like the Beatles, are David Bowie, are Elvis Presley, um, Merle Haggard, um, you know, these types of characters who yeah. are all have a, a sort of a rock center, but a lot of them are also sort of like big dramatic characters that tell yeah. wild tales, you know? Um, 
I like that. I like artists that like switch it up over time. And I think all of those people tend to do that. Yeah. <laughs> if you could talk to anyone, who would it be? I used to have this answer. I don't know that I do anymore because some of the heroes of my youth, uh, with age on my behalf, uh, I don't see them as heroes anymore. I see them as uh, people who are imperfect and have flaws. And so there's less of a, like a, a glow about them. Um, I don't know. Let me think. You know, someone who might be fun to talk to would be either like Loretta Lynn or Wanda Jackson, like two women who've seen such an array of change over the life of their career and both of them being like really ballsy out there even at times when women weren't as bold with their messaging um you know i ha i've never seen loretta i saw a show that uh wanda jackson played oh god it's probably like over 10 years ago now and she blew the club away you know so um that's that's something you aspire to as a woman artist is to have mm -hmm. that kind of impact late like you just keep going you're like an energizer bunny like not giving up <laughs> <laughs> they have they have some uh, some stamina these women that's where yeah seriously year on year they're still touring it's like how are you still doing that how are you still doing that but you know i know i know <laughs> and I can't, I can't speak to Wanda Jackson's story, but I mean, Loretta Lynn was raising kids too, you know, mm -hmm. in a fairly traditional family setup where like, you know, she was working, but at the same time she was kind of expected to do blah, blah, and blah as woman roles, you know? So mm -hmm. how do you even pull that off? You know, it's like I have one and she's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds, so. sounds tiring. <laughs> oh. If you could thank someone for their support throughout your career, or maybe a couple people, who would it be? People who've supported me. Well, I have some friends who've been like lifers to my music. One of my friends who I've known since like first year in college, this guy named Isaac Castillo, and he's not in music at all. He's worked in nonprofits and he used to uh, teach debate and. Uh, just random stuff. He's in like DC, like Washington DC and, and doing work, uh, with at risk youth. And, um, he's always just been a big supporter and friend. And that's cool, you know, to have friendships that are that long, you know, I think another person who's been there the entire time, I call her my hippie mom. Uh, she's not my mom, but she is, uh, my, my dad and, her husband um, kind of came out of law school at the same time, and they were intro lawyers at a firm where I grew up outside of Pittsburgh at the same time. And the two families had kids sort of like at around the same time. And their house was always one that was filled with musical instruments and um, sort of a, a creative energy. Like there was no like, you can't do this. I mean, there were rules, but it, it had a freedom that mine didn't really have. Yeah. And that allowed someone like me, who was sort of a, a creative type from a very early age, to feel at home and feel free to grow and try things that 
maybe I wouldn't feel as safe doing if I just had my core family around. So, uh, Aunt Mary Campbell. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any, I mean, I, I couldn't do what I'm doing now with having my daughter without my husband. He's, uh, he's just, He's not a musician either. This is it's like a theme here. Like all musicians, <laughs> they're not a of this. But uh, no, um, you know, there's there's a level of support and um, and trust and uh, encouragement that I get in our relationship or from our relationship. It's really important. It gives me strength to maybe not close doors, which initially I would have done just because I thought that's sort of what you had to do, you know. Mm. Um, so those are, how about that? I'll go with those. That's perfect. That's perfect. Great answer. Fantastic. So I have to ask you, <laughs> I saw on your website about the adverts you were in. They were fantastic. Which ones? The crazy, like, Jose Cuervo ad? And- <laughs> <laughs> when I first saw it, I wasn't too, I was like, is this an advert or is it a film or a TV series? And of course, oh my God. Well, as someone who worked on that and thinking that I was just going to be like colorful background in this ensemble cast, which took on a little bit more, you know, uh, when they did the final edit, there was just like, they pulled some frames that ended up in some magazines and I was in them. I was like, oh, they didn't use the lead there. They used me and Bodie, like the crazy two in the background. Um, that was a really fun project. Because it had a crazy budget and was like being on a major feature film. We were up in this like film ranch north of Los Angeles and um, it was so hot. It was like October. We were having like 90 to 100 degree days and we're just in this dusty environment. There's no AC. And, you know, I'm wearing a ton of makeup. Like I, back then my hair was redder. And, um, but, you know, they're like caking on it, you know, extreme like grizzled lady in a bar vibe and um yeah but it was it was really fun and there were some great people on the cast and we all just got along so it was no stress and uh so that was that was a good thing to be part of but yeah I've done a couple of commercials while I've lived in LA I I didn't really do much commercial work before I lived in LA because I was I've always had side hustles but one of the industries I had a bigger side hustle in New York just doesn't really exist in LA, so I just dialed back into doing extra and film yeah. and TV commercial stuff. And just some of the projects have been really fun, you know? When you're not in it to win it. Like, I'm not in it to be an actor. No. You know, I can just go in and have a good time have and get a paycheck, you. and that's really fun. And, you know, my relatives back in Southwestern PA are like, oh, we saw you on TV, you know, I was like, well, great, you know. <laughs> Did you buy my album yet? No. I love that. I love that, yeah. It was like the the, um, the cow water one as well. I thought that was very funny. Oh, yeah. That was fun because I've always been, yeah, like I've never done physical comedy. My sister's actually, she's done more theater than I have, and that she's a total screwball comedy type actor. So I always yeah. enjoy watching her do plays because she can do pratfalls and <laughs> stuff like that. And it's never been my thing, you know. Um, I usually get cast as like young mom or musician, you know. But <laughs> that one was really fun because I get to like spit out coffee beans and like run into a wall. You know? oh, yeah. It was a <laughs> <Well, trip. laughs> It was yeah. It was definitely very funny. 
Um, and the, the, the poor guy in the, uh, the orange juice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Turns out he's like a metal drummer, which was really fun. Oh. Like, randomly meet an actor on stage and we get talking about, like, heavy metal bands in the 80s and stuff. <laughs> but that's what I mean. That's what's so kooky about those worlds. It's like, usually yeah. people who work as actors have done various other jobs and not mm. all of them are you know, creative, but you usually meet people who are like photographers or or musicians or just different things. And so you get to talking because there's a lot of sitting around when you do that yeah. kind of work. And, uh, you know, it was fun. But, yeah, he's a rock drummer. So making that, is that the same, do you have the same sort of vibe as making a video, like a music video? Or is it a very <laughs> different? Well, world? you know, you're you're jumping into someone else's story when you're doing you know, that sort of work. And so you just have to say, like, okay, well, what do you see this being like, and how can I how can I help you to get to achieve the goal you're trying to get? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of that. Whereas with all the videos I've been part of, at least with this record, like, um, I've been very involved. I didn't produce the video for Trouble, but <laughs> this is typical me. I was up the night before storyboarding it, and yeah. because I, did we, I hadn't talked much to the producer, he's just a friend of this photographer friend of mine, and I was like, yeah. you know, I have this vague idea, but, you know, we'll, we can talk about it when you come over, and then we'll just start shooting. It was real loosey-goosey. So then I'm up at, like, 5.30, 6 in the morning. I'm drawing out storyboards, and, you know, I was like, I want to get this shot, I want to get this shot, and, like, we can play with these kind of shots, and he was like, okay. So, <laughs> But the other ones, um, I either shot the whole thing or shot half of them and edited them. So I was really hands-on. And so to me, it was sort of like how I kind of knew what I wanted to achieve. Um, Mm. And when you're shooting it yourself, you have the ability to, like, look back and say, like, did you get that facial expression or that angle that you wanted? And if you didn't, if if you're doing it at a location that you have more control over, then just reshoot, you know. Um, I think if I were working with – more teams and just kind of going with their visions, it would be a little bit more like doing a commercial where it'd be like, okay, this is the big idea we've talked about. What do you as the cinematographer want? Like, is it, is it this? Is it this? (laughs) Is it this? You know, just like, tell me what you need me to do and uh, I'll try to get that so we can make the best possible. Um, So, that's perfect. That's amazing. Amazing. And be able to obviously record oh, it yourself. Let me ask you, as, a, as another PA girl here. Whereabouts? Oh, wait. Are you talking about you PA are... production assistant or PA Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. Whereabouts? Uh, Eastern, near Allentown. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm like an hour from Pittsburgh. Totally different states. We know. <laughs> It was like, how is yeah, yeah. Philly? I'm like eight hours. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm closer to West Virginia, you know? So. Yeah. Oh, were you going to ask? You said as a, as a fellow PA girl. Yeah, I was going to ask, how long uh, ago did you leave the state? Uh, well, I left for college, and then I came back for two summers after freshman, after sophomore year, and then pretty much I was gone. So, you know, 
without totally ageifying myself, but you know, I've been gone 25 years, something like that. And you know, I went from, I went to school upstate New York and I moved to New York for like a year and a half. And then I moved to San Francisco for five years. And then I spent like three months on the road in the Southwest and outside of Texas and outside of Austin and Texas. And then I moved to New York again for 10 years. And I've been in LA now for nine. So, which is crazy to me because it still feels so new. And I think it's just because like I got here and basically found out I was pregnant. So like I've been, my entire LA experience for the most part is preparing for a child or raising a child. Mm-hmm. And that definitely colors your experience. You know, you have to make, you have to get a social group, which you, which involves that because your friends who don't have that, you just don't see them as often. They just, you know, it's like, it's just what it is. And, uh, and I got lucky because I ended up making friends with a bunch of women who were all in creative fields and freelance, and we were all freaked out because none of us had friends who had kids. And all of us were like, is this the end of, like, our careers because we now suddenly have a child? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it became very helpful in a way, too, because as we were all going through that, um, it was sort of a common experience, both learning to become a parent, but also learning to figure out what the next chapter looked like for all of our individual lives. And, uh, you know, a lot of these people are like my best friends right now. So it's kind of cool. It was. It was good. You need that support, don't you? I mean, obviously, women in music, you've always got that. Obviously, when a woman has a child, do they come back? And it's it's going to be a really hard decision to make. Um, yeah. Even if you have the support of a husband or a partner, it's still going to be one of the hardest decisions to make. Do you give up and bring up the child, or do you keep your career going? It must right. be, you know. And well, obviously- it, you know, a lot of what I was doing before I left New York was focusing less on touring and more on sync and commercial music writing, okay. uh, co-writing with people, writing for TV, film, commercial, stuff like that. And so I already had that momentum going in New York. And so when I came out here, I just, I, you know, I made some friends and did some vocal session work and I've done some co-writing stuff, but I really just focused on doing studio projects for, you know, that, especially that period where she was really little, my daughter. Um, And, you know, I've been slowly bringing touring back into my life (laughs) and COVID happened. And, um, you know, things have been on hold. But uh, I am actually uh, scheduled to actually have a live outdoor show, you know, fingers crossed, in November, which, if you don't have another spike, uh, promises to be probably the first time I've played since March. The last time I played was the first week of March. And, um, you know, I was planning to put out a record in May and do some summer touring. And so instead I ended up pushing an album release to late August and doing live streams, which I've done a lot of live stream festivals. And just for a while I was doing a weekly sort of roundup from my home. I haven't done those as much these days. And I have a couple things coming up live stream that are like songwriter circles or things like that. Music festivals that people are putting together, usually to get out the vote. I've done two to try and get, you know, voter turnout and to celebrate women's suffrage and things like that. Figure I'm, I, I consider myself to be um, 
someone who wants to be involved in politics, but I tend to get involved by doing musical, you know, fundraiser things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, any way you can. Hmm. It's too important to sit out. Totally. Okay, perfect. So, quick five questions. Okay. <laughs> These are fun. They're dead easy. You know, <laughs> don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Exactly. They might be absurd reactions, but whatever. So, are you an early bird or night owl? Early bird. Beach or countryside? That's tricky. Um, I would probably choose countryside, although I've been spending a lot of time at the beach. <laughs> um, favorite season? Fall. Uh, biggest fear? I think heights at this point, but you know, I still have this like long seated dread that someone's going to murder me in a very violent way. But you know, <laughs> hey, let's just throw this. That's definitely a crazy fear, isn't it? Just Don't hold that, it. really. No, really. No, no, just give it all, why not? <laughs> What's your favorite holiday? <laughs> Halloween. Then she was going to get murdered. She was going to get some like psycho. Yeah, or yeah, totally. Or something like that. Um, favorite drink? The one I've been drinking all summer, which is a little made-up number based on something I've had. Uh, it's a uh, fresh grapefruit juice, fresh lime, mezcal, um, topped off with a bit of ginger kombucha, Malden sea salt, and cayenne. There you go. Did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. I think I want to try that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty yummy. It's like very refreshing, and I've been foraging around the neighborhood, so I can just get the limes and the grapefruits from people's trees, and the rest of the stuff I have in the house. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that. If your oh. limes are anything goes missing, we know who's stolen them. <laughs> no, I always make friends with people first and ask them if I can take them. But, like, you know, I've got this one neighbor, she's this little old lady, she's got, like, five grapefruit trees. And I was like, can I take a couple grapefruit trees? Like, take as many as you want. And I like, okay, yes. <laughs> so every time I walk the dog, I go and grab two grapefruit and bring home. <laughs> Perfect. That's a California conceit right there, I tell you what. You know, I think that could be a Florida thing, too, because uh, yeah. we do that. The one neighbor that has, yeah, I do the same thing. I'm like, hey, can I still some of your oranges? And they're like, yeah, yeah, help yourself. Well, I used to live in a house with a huge lemon tree, and I never could use all the lemons. So I would just gather them up, and I'd put them out on the street and say, take whatever you want. Because, I mean, if you don't bring in someone to farm your fruit trees, it's just going to fall and rot and be wasted. And it's perfectly good food. So, mm. you know, get back. Totally. It's the same here in Spain. A lot of we have um, a lot of olive trees, lime, tre uh, lemon trees, and you mm -hmm. always say you just gather it up. You take it to social gatherings. There you go. Take a handful and get rid of them because you yeah. never. You yeah. always have way, way, way too many. You're never ever going to use them all. So uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so if you were a musical, what musical would you be? Jesus Christ Superstar. Nice. If you were a film <laughs> genre. What would you be? Satanic cult flick. <laughs> Could go hand in hand with sci-fi fantasy. They're, they're like my okay. favorite genres. Oh. 
If you were a Disney character, who would you be? Uh, Aurora from Sleeping Beauty. Okay. I was waiting for a villain to come out there. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to If you were a uh, mythical creature, what creature would you be? Probably a unicorn. Just based on the fact that I used to collect them when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Going with gut reactions. They may not make sense to me now, but they're just like the first thing that pops in my brain. That's perfect. That's what we want. That's what they want, yeah, too. <laughs> if you had a superpower, what would it be? Flying. Why? 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 Why would you like to fly? Um... I'm kind of obsessed with this family of hawks that live in our uh, canyon. And when I go up to Central Coast, California, there's, like, tons of turkey vultures. And you can just sort of, like, watch a large bird float across the sky for a very long period of time. There's something very soothing about that to me. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's probably an adrenaline rush if you're, you know, if you were actually flying. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's more the the slower, meditative, peaceful aspect of watching birds that uh, is appealing to me. Yeah. Amazing. Perfect. Okay, and now, this is the most important question out Ooh. of all of them. Okay, I hope you're ready for this one. Okay, who is your favorite CWC host? <laughs> I love that one. I, I know two of you. <laughs> is this is this a popularity contest that you guys have put money down and then after I answer this, like <laughs> someone takes the pot? We'll see. We'll see who wins at the end of the. See, at the end of, uh, I at can't the decide season. that. You guys are most charming. <laughs> see, I love it. Everybody seems to say. Everybody seems to ask the question like, "How could you ask that question?" <laughs> we like to torment our people. It's good. It's perfect. Where in Spain are you right now? Um, I live in Macasvenda, which is up there. We're in the Costa Blanca, kind of. Okay. Um, but the nearest, biggest town is Murphia. But okay. Most people, most people don't know because we're not on the coast. We're, we're sort of inland. Inland. Um, and the coast is about 10, 15 minutes away. It's not far. That's not bad. So, you got it if you want it, and you don't need yeah. to have it. No, and we've got swimming pool at the house, so... No. Just easier swimming pool. You haven't got to deal with sand or soul. <laughs> All of other stuff that comes to the beach. Um, That's true. So yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice here at the moment. It's still warm, which is good. I love it. Well, it must be warm in uh, in LA. We're having another heat wave. It's like 96 degrees today. I <laughs> when it gets this hot, I just hide. Yeah. I'm from like a place where, you know, it will go to 90 degrees out where I came from. But, you know, for the most part, at this point in the year, things are more like 75 for the high down in the 50s, like basically Central Coast, California temperatures right now. <laughs> and um, I don't know, you know, I, I love it when it's when it's winter here. It's kind of misty. It can be green. It can be kind of cool and you occasionally get rain. I'd like more rain. We don't have enough rain here and it's obvious. We have fires and dust and bad air and if we had more rain, it would it would solve a lot of these things. Um, and uh, I don't know. You know, it's hot today. It'll be it'll cool down again after this week. I'm not sure how cool, but you know, hopefully we'll be in the 70s to 80s as, as yeah. a high pretty soon. That's sort of my, that's my That'd good place. Nice. Yeah, I must admit, we're normally 
warmish even up until December. January, February, March can be really cold out here. It's just mm. Uh, yeah, we don't get really cold in Southern California. You know, I mean, I lived in New York for long enough. It's like I, I can, and I lived in upstate New York, which is like, you know, you have maybe two months of summer and it's humid and buggy and everything. And then winter in Syracuse, it's like wind chill factor minus 25, you know, and that's in Fahrenheit. So yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, getting very cold. Very, very cold. I must admit the one time I went to New York and I was so excited. Because it was for my birthday, my birthday is December, so I was expecting all this amazing snow, and we hit a bloody heat wave. We were in shorts in New York. I'm like, it's supposed to be snowing. It's supposed to be like the movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, it's funny because in I feel like December is the the month you get Christmas in in mm. New York, and then as soon as it's over, it's sort of like gone. You know, there are people are, and you're just dealing with that weird slushy, dirty snow water that's by all the sewer grates <laughs> to get to walk through to get to the subway, you know? Um, yeah, well... Yeah, admit, we don't really see snow. You didn't see snow in... You saw it a little bit in the UK, but not much. And if you did snow, that was it. The whole country comes to a complete standstill because nobody could do anything in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like two weeks of the year, and that's it. And it just disappeared. But... Um, yeah, I was just so hoping to see some proper snow and, you know, <laughs> have that whole Christmas You probably feel. would have seen more snow if you came in, like, February or March, because that's when you get these strange, they're called nor'easters, and it's like a big warm front moves up and a cold front meets it up in the northeast, and it just, yeah. it just dumps four feet of wet snow on you. And uh, that's when you—that's when the city shuts down, and everybody has these amazing idyllic. We snowshoed across town and hit this like whiskey <laughs> bar and drank with our friends till two in the morning, and then we threw snowballs. You know, like everybody becomes like a ten-year-old again, and <laughs> and it's lovely. It's so nice. Sounds, it sounds nice. amazing. Sounds amazing. I have to say, major <laughs> snowball fights. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yay. You're still on mute, though. Do you know that? Yes, you know she's still on mute. Yes. Okay, that's fine. I was aware. I was having a little coffee fit. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. I just wasn't too sure if you still knew you're on mute. I'm like, oh, does she know? Okay, perfect. That's cool. Well, we have had a blast. It's been amazing meeting you, Emily. Absolutely Thank amazing. You. Absolutely amazing. It's been so good to meet you. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun. All right, Enjoy. well, take care of yourselves, and, and you. we'll be in touch. Totally, Sounds totally. Good. See you soon. Take Bye. Care. Bye. Bye.